Hey guys, it's Stephanie. So, my microphone and my audio was all fucked up in this, so please forgive me if it sounds like crap. I really did my best to correct this. Enjoy the episode! guys <laughs> um welcome to Suspiria true crime podcast I'm Stephanie hello I'm not gonna cut that off and I'm Carol but you should know that by now yeah I mean this is episode 20 mm-hmm. come on get you get your shit together listeners <laughs> where's yeah. my merch where's my stuff like I should be famous by now I should mm-hmm. be Getting, like, stuff in the mail from you, like candy, yeah. Sour Patch Kids, boyfriends. Bo- boyfriends on the mail. Like. I think I think it's a fair mm-hmm. um, demand. I mean, there's mail order brides. Why not mail order exactly. boyfriends? Why not? Sounds, Sounds fair I, th- I feel like we should be on Oprah by now. Should we? Actually, I want to be on Ellen. Ellen sounds more fun. Oprah, I feel like she would yell at me. Ellen sounds a little more fun. I feel like she would, like, ask me all the questions that I don't want to answer, and I would be, like, very uncomfortable. Like, I didn't want to talk about any of this, but okay. You know? Oprah's coming to my school, actually. Really? Yeah. That's they're cool. having, like, a contest to, like, have people interview her. Mm-hmm. And, like, technically wow. I'm part of the newspaper, even though I've, I've never written one thing to the school paper. Uh, so they're like, oh, submit your essay if you want to interview Oprah. Best essay will win. That's your shot, I guess. My shot at being famous. Mm. No, <laughs> imagine me interviewing Oprah. Oh, hi, Oprah. So let me tell you about <laughs> my podcast. <laughs> I'm sure that she'll care so much about it. <laughs> She'll be like, excuse me? Well, yes. Let me tell yeah. you about my podcast about true crime and no, Latin I need America. to tell guys, like, I love Oprah leave. so much. And the thing I, I love the most about Oprah is that she has a magazine about herself that she's the cover of every issue. I just love that so much. Like, every time. That's so brave. <laughs> oh, God. You know? Every time. Like, you're going to be a cover of a magazine every single month. How amazing is that? Life goals. Mm-hmm. Okay, we said that we were not going to ramble on this episode, because as we have warned guys, you, this is guys, a giant This hitter. is not like a big hitter. It's the biggest hitter. This is big. It's probably the biggest case, most famous case ever, uh, always. That we're going to cover in the history of Brazil? <laughs> I think probably. it's. I think it's the biggest hitter in modern history. Yeah. Because the Park Maniac is the biggest case. I think, and we've already I think like, the Park Maniac is when you're, like, talking about serial killers. But I feel like if you're talking about, like, mm-hmm. a case against, like, one single person, they will either say that one mm-hmm. or uh, of another one I'm not going to tell the name of so nobody steals my ideas. But the one that is my favorite case, Steph already knows. 
the one that I'm like the most excited to cover. I feel like people they will shift between answering like that one or um this case. Yeah. And we were actually yeah. uh I, we're not mm-hmm. gonna say the case name because you guys are not gonna copy me because I said <laughs> something about soccer and then Next thing you know, I see someone posting about this case. I was so mad. Wasn't I, Carol? I immediately screenshot it. I was like, do you see this? I was really mad. Mm -hmm. But um, we were debating about covering the case that Carol really likes because there's like a a very special significance to it um, right Mm -hmm. now, like in this day that we are. But we are going to save mm-hmm. that for later, mm-hmm. and uh, when we do revisit that case, we will tell you what was so significant about it. So you wait for episode 50, okay? More like 100. I'll, I'm going to keep that card on my sleeve, like, forever, you know? Forever? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do my best. Steph's probably not going to let me, but I'll try my best. I'm not going to yeah. let her. We're going to run out of ideas by then. So. Um, <laughs> so I'll be like, listen. We got to do this. So, so uh, today, what are we about, talking about? Guys, you know what? Bruno the goalkeeper. Yay! Amazing. Yes. Elisa the case yeah. of Elisa, Elisa, Elisa Samuju. But it's mostly, like, if you just say Elisa Samuju, people will not be, like, as familiar with the name so it's you know Bruno the goalkeeper is the guy who yeah like do it I feel like we need to include like, both things in our Bruno title yeah because he's not the centerpiece of this case yeah like, Bruno the goalkeeper but, yeah she yeah. is but he was just so famous at the time that it just became you know Caso Bruno it just became just Bruno that's it so we do we will do as we always do our best to focus it on the victims and it's really hard sometimes because uh we don't have much about the victims uh we don't have you know that much information really we just might have like what they do what their names their age some things but this is not the case with this one at all guys she was uh somewhat of a public person uh, and we'll get into that a little later. But there is videos of her talking about the conflict uh, leading to the death. Uh, mm-hmm. There's, you know, her, she voices her opinions about certain things. And she, you know, she testifies as to what Bruno does to her. And it's... Um, it's mainly what, like, what led her to being killed. Yeah, she was so outspoken. Was so she was just like, yeah. no, I am not going to let you walk all over me. Mm-hmm. This shit ain't not going to happen. And that's why yeah. he killed her. Yeah. And it's like, you're going to hear her say stuff like, yeah, Elisa said whatever. It's because um, that is documented that she said it. You know, it's not like a hearsay. You know, like she told a friend, like if she told a friend mm-hmm. something, we'll include that. You know, she told a friend. But it's literally, I literally watch her say, like, those videos of her available saying those things that she says and that we're going to include here on the podcast. Because it's important when they do have a voice, the victims, for us to kind of perpetuate that. So, um, tons of other 
podcasts and, you know, even shows, whatever, in the United States have covered this case. And I'd like to believe that ours is going to be a little different because we have access to more information. doesn't mean that um, those podcasts that have covered it did it did a bad job, not by, not by any stretch of imagination. They did, because we're the best. <laughs> no, but then they did actually pretty good, like, with the language of limitations. I really respect that. But you might have, like, different details and some corrected misconceptions about this case. One of the biggest, like, sensationalized pieces of information about this case, it's actually not true. So we're going to dive into all that and explain why those things happen and why also they get perpetuated. Because if you translate a article from 2010, it's not the same information that you would have right now. So, yeah. The perpetrator. So Bruno Fernandes das Dores de Souza. It's weird because a lot of those names are in my family, the last names. Anyway, he was born... In de on December 23rd, 1984, in where, where, where? The best state in Brazil, <laughs> Minas Gerais. Some sources say that he is from Belo Horizonte, a.k.a. my hometown. Some say Ribeirão das Neves. Uh, <laughs> although we don't care much to investigate about this shit, because mm -hmm. fuck him, because he's a fucking killer. I have to say one thing. I bet he's from Ribeirão das Neves, because Ribeirão das Neves is a hood, mm -hmm. like, town okay. right next to Belo Horizonte. So, uh, the thing, in, at least, <laughs> I, I feel like that's the same way in every state in Brazil, but mm. being from Minas, a lot of people will be like, I'm from Belo Horizonte, mm. I'm from Governador Valadares, because they don't want to say that they're from the middle of buttfuck nowhere. So, I bet you he was not from Belo Horizonte. Anyway, he was raised by his paternal grandmother since his parents left him when he was just a baby. No wonder why. Um, He's just a baby. His whole family was He's actually... Listen! He's from Hiberondas now. He is from the hood. I know oh, okay. he's a killer. Um... His whole family was actually involved in crime. His brother and father have been involved in robberies. His mom was arrested for forging documents and was accused of attempted murder because she shot a woman five times after a cocaine-induced fight. But since her aim is pretty shitty, uh, none of the bullets hit the lady, so she just wasted <laughs> bullets. Her, uh, the mom was never <laughs> arrested yeah. for that crime. Um, as many, uh, not unlike a lot of boys in Brazil, he always dreamed of becoming a soccer player. Because we've talked about this a lot. Brazil is not necessarily the land of opportunity. Yes, um, there is the Otas who were able to, uh, make the best of the Brazilian dream. But it's like one in a million that actually do that. Um... So, being a soccer player, if you're poor in Brazil, that's your one chance to, like, get the heck out mm -hmm. of your slum life and just, like, be balling. Because soccer players make so much money. So much money. Like, it's crazy. It's like it's like mm -hmm. NFL players here, mm -hmm. but soccer. Um, 
So he always dreamed of being a soccer player, just like every kid in Brazil. Grew up very, very poor, and like many kids, the only shot he had of fame, success, and money was through playing soccer, or being a musician, or a drug lord. So he chose soccer. Because, you know, healthy. He wanted to be healthy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just so you guys have an idea of how poor he was, he like grew up, it was like a favela, but... I didn't see it described as a favela, but it looked like one. And the place he, like, grew up playing soccer. Yeah. You know what the name of that place was? What? Big Hole. A buraco? The Big Hole. Buracão. Buraco. Big Hole. The, yeah. He grew up in the Big Hole. So, like, he, he literally climbed out of the hole, you know? So, that's cool. Yeah. Because... So, that's why I'm yeah. saying that he's definitely from Ribeirão das Neves, because <laughs> that's very... No, I'm not even, like, trying to be mean. No, I know. That's very stereotypical of people from mm -hmm. there. They will say, oh, I'm from Belo Horizonte. And then you say, oh, really? Where in Belo Horizonte? And then oh. they'll, like, oh, 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 oh. And then next thing you know, they say that's they're great. from Ribeirão das Neves. Yeah. <laughs> so... He married his first wife, Diane Rodriguez de Carmo Souza, in the early 2000s, and mm -hmm. he has two daughters with her. In 2001, he debuted at the EW Atlético Mineiro soccer team. EW! I did not know he played for them. Gross! Um, then he was hired by Flamengo in 2008. So, Atlético Mineiro, so in Minas Gerais. Mm -hmm. There's two, there's a lot of soccer teams. There's two big ones, Atlético and Cruzeiro. You could, like, they're super, like, they're really big rivals to the point where people from the Atlético, um, like, fans of Atlético will lynch fans of Cruzeiro and vice versa after games. Fuck really? Yeah, that's how that's how big oh <laughs> they will literally like if if there's a if there's a match between them and let's say Atletico wins and Cruzeiro loses mm -hmm. and there's like a group of guys uh, that are fans of Cruzeiro and they they're walking down the street and they see a guy wearing the other team's jersey, they will oh beat that person to death. That's yeah. how bad like, it so is. Paulo has this kind so, of like overly like between teams too but i don't think he ever gets that bad it's more like you know people like pointing out to other teams oh you're gay oh you're a thug kind of thing like stereotypes associated with the teams but i don't yeah. think i mean I'm, it probably does get bad sometimes no. but i think it's a little more friendly than that i'd hope so no it's really bad and um so mm -hmm. yeah Flamengo is one of the biggest soccer teams in Brazil. It's probably the most... Flamengo and Corinthians are probably the most, like, yeah. recognizable ones in Brazil. So. I think, like, Corinthians from like Rio. Yeah, Flamengo is from Rio. Corinthians is from Sao Paulo. I think Corinthians is, like, the Flamengo of Rio, of Sao Paulo. It's, like, a... Yeah. So, Flamengo is the biggest soccer team in Brazil. We're talking about, like, 40 million fans. So, one thing to pay attention to this story is that we have a person that is very poor, and all of a sudden, he is, like, swimming in money, Scrooge McDuck style. So, he's surrounded by people that want to take advantage of him, but also people that want to, you know, just go to the best parties, buy the best cars, houses, clothes, and he's available to... He's available? No. 
he's able to give that to a lot of people that um, surround him, but also he's able to get that all for himself. And it's something that happens, like, really all of a sudden. It's not like he builds up that kind of fortune. It just really happens, like, night and day kind of thing. Yeah, like, new money. Yeah. So, uh, he... It all hits him like a train, and he doesn't really necessarily know how to deal with that kind of stuff. Because he starts beginning to feel like he's on top of the world, and nothing can really ever get to him, you know. And that is part of the reason that probably he knew he thought that he was going to be able to get away with the crime like that. So, uh, Bruno was one of the most well-played players of Brazil, making some 250000 Reais a month. That is a lot of money, you guys. Yeah. He got rich. That's like $90,000 in US dollars. Almost $100,000 a month. So he got rich, but he didn't really forget the people who grew up with him. He hired many of his childhood friends and family to work for him. Notably, Luis Henrique Homo, a.k.a. Macajão. Pasta! Translated (laughs) English, pasta. <laughs> I don't know. We've talked about nicknames before, and there's a lot of nicknames on this episode. But I don't know how per- he doesn't look like a plate of pasta necessarily. He doesn't really. So it's funny because of my uncle. One of his best friends' nickname is Macaho. Really. And with him, with my uncle's friend, it really is because he's, like, really thin and, like, tall. So he looks like a spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) No. But I think with this macaron, the macaron in the case, I think it's more maybe because he liked pasta a lot. Because he's, like, a chubby guy, so. Yeah, probably. He looks like a, there's a picture of him, like, with no hair. He looks like a thumb. I'm going to try to find it. (laughs) No, seriously. Look, I even like took a picture of like my thumb next to his face. Yeah, oh it's like God. Bruno's like on like his like shoulder, like blowing a kiss to the camera. It's like a, the weirdest picture I've ever seen. That guy looks like a thumb. Anyways, so we have Pasta who worships Bruno. He even has a tattoo that says, and it doesn't make a lot of sense in Portuguese either. But I'm gonna. It's a little translation, okay? Bruno and Maca. The friendship, not even the power of time, is going to destroy. Comma. True love. Mm-hmm. How? Butt sex. <laughs> that is actually one of the allegations that the defense will pull forward. Bruno's defense. But mm-hmm. I'll get to that later. But anyways. Um, it doesn't really make sense in Portuguese. And dude, it was like clearly made in the kitchen like countertop. It's the shittiest looking tattoo I've ever seen. And it's, like, on his back. Like, well, the first time I saw the picture, I almost thought it was, like, a tramp stamp. But it isn't. It's, like, this, like, upper back neck area. Which is just sad. Why would you put, like... Anyways. I feel like we should get matching tattoos that say that, Carol. (laughs) But, oh my god, who, who... I mean, I get they, they're like childhood friends, whatever, but that guy worships. His own lawyer says that it was bizarre. Bizarre. This whole kind of uh, loyalty. It, it's uh, like, what? It's just too much. I really can't comprehend. And I have a lot of people that I love, 
people. I would not tattoo someone that on my skin. He has a wife. He has no matching tattoos or anything with his wife, but he has one with Bruno. Telling you, it's the butt sex. It does wonders. Ah, uh, probably. I want to mention something real quick. Like Bruno's with so many women. Like his kills was really really good. Cause like I swear it's it's cause he's rich. Probably. But, I mean, we'll get to that. Now we're going to talk about the victim. So, Elisa Samudio was born February 22, 1985 in Foz do Iguaçu. Foz do Iguaçu is like the Niagara Falls of Latin America. Yeah. Of South America, rather. I think it's like mm-hmm. Brazil and Paraguay. I mm. think. I know it's two countries. Um... She was raised by her dad until she was 18 when she moved to Sao Paulo to start her career as a model. Mm-hmm. Her father was sexually abusive to her and he pimped her out to his friends on multiple occasions. Elisa and her mother, Sonia, were close, but the dad didn't allow, didn't allow Elisa to live with her. <laughs> what is with my tongue today? I can't even talk. He even made death threats saying that she would get Elisa back in pieces if, he, if she tries to get her away from him. So, a very loving father. Um, when she got to Sao Paulo, life was a lot harder than she expected. She was going through serious financial trouble, and that's when she resorted to sex work. She also had a brief career in porn. She had pictures published on several magazines and made movies that are still available mm. online. And this, like, yeah. if you guys think American society is awful, Brazilian society is even worse, like... Yeah. I remember when she died, people were saying, well, but she's a whore, so who cares? Elisa was what many people define as Maria Chuteira. Maria Chuteira is like a a groupie, but only for soccer players, pretty much. So she was like a groupie, but for soccer players. Um, uh, But about being a Maria Chuteira, she said, uh, if women chase after the soccer players, I do agree with the nickname, but what happens if it's the guy that chases us? So, you know, because women are always slut-shamed, but the guys are never, because men are saints, and they have a holy dick, and you should be glad that they want to uh, allow you the pleasure (laughs) or their tiny little penis. Anyway. Yeah. On uh, the 20th of March, Bruno and Elisa met at a barbecue. They had friends in common, and the instant interaction they have friends in common, and the instant attraction they felt towards each other led to a relationship. Initially, no strings attached, but then they started dating, seeing each other more and more, but that didn't really last long. As Elisa puts it, it was all wonders until he went crazy. Bruno says that it wasn't an innocent barbecue, that he and other friends had hired some sex workers for an orgy, and that then this orgy developed into a relationship with Elisa. It is possible, but again, that doesn't change the narrative. Could have been a 50-person orgy where Satan himself fucked the entire Flamingo team. That would still have no effect on the outcome here. I'm so proud of my writing sometimes. Okay. So, just three months before Elisa disappeared, another player at Flamingo had been accused of domestic violence. And Bruno actually came forward in his defense. He says... On camera, which one of you guys, married guys, that had never fought with your women? 
that had never had an argument or even let it get physical, huh? There's no way out of it. Briga de marido e mulher, ninguém mete a colher, which means, you know, if it's a, a man-wife fight, no one um, has any opinion on it. So, shitty. So, briga de, briga de marido e mulher, ninguém mm -hmm. mete a colher, is something that people use to justify them not reporting domestic violence. Literally, mm -hmm. every time, I, I come from a family where, like, a lot of women, unfortunately, were victims of domestic violence. And the neighbors would be like, well, briga de marido e mulher, ninguém mete a colher. Like, that ain't nothing, that's not my business. Oh, well, if I help, oh, well, she's just gonna go back to the... Who the fuck cares if she goes back? You, as a decent human being, you should do something. You shouldn't just watch. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Which, I mean, I do, I am kind of you know, in favor of not interfering too much with other people's businesses. But this is a completely different situation. Like, you should interfere with something like that. And that guy's saying, like, yeah, and like, this, it was basically, like, this shouldn't be making the press, this shouldn't be news, because it's their business, basically. When there's not like that, you're a public figure, you cannot be involved in something like that, you just can't. So, um, that, I mean, around that time is when she finds out when Elisa finds out that she is pregnant. So uh, she tells him that she is keeping the baby, and he says that he will provide for anything that they need. But as she herself puts it, uh, his opinion changed really, really fast. He was supposedly telling her that he would leave his wife to be with her, and as we are all aware, this is always bullshit. She she actually stopped um, doing any sex hmm. work so they could be together, as she puts it. But details are details, right? So uh, he ghosted her, actually. He wouldn't answer her calls. And if she got, ever got a hold of him, he would just tell her to go to hell and impossible to reach basically she relocated to rio and pe petitioned bruno to recognize that he was the father and also to pay child support he was already looking to do so even though he was paying for her her hotel room and food expenses he made sure that um they didn't have any kind of direct contact so she went public she went on tv shows news stations talked to anyone who would listen essentially many times the argument was made that she was just interested in his money and that the baby wasn't his or whatever. But honestly, in the end, it doesn't even matter. So, even if she was with him for pure interest, that she got pregnant on purpose, that she poked holes in a condom, that doesn't take away the fact that she was murdered because of child fucking support. So, um, child fucking, no, fucking child support. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Elisa said that she just wants him to be a reasonable person and help her out because he is the father. If he didn't have the money, he would she would find a way to provide for the kid herself. But since he has the means, the least he can do is pay child support. She also says that the baby is his. And if she wasn't 100% sure, she wouldn't be making a fool of herself on TV. So that's a valid point, you know. Also, at the time that she made all, their, all her issues public... Bruno had been on the media radar for a few months because he was a bit of a hothead in the field, and people were not used to see that in goalies. 
goalies are usually like more rational they don't really get in fights whatever so uh, he was known for getting fights with judges players and anyone who criticized him really even out of the field and uh, he has an extensive rap sheet and has been in jail quite a few times for you know beating other people so he was booed by fans during matches so he was already somewhat of a bad guy in the public's eyes and in my opinion that's probably why the media latched to the pregnancy allegations so much and why they supported the piece of shit narrative from the beginning because normally Mm -hmm. things like that wouldn't really make the media wouldn't make you know, the news. Normally they would side with the guy, because fuck. Yeah, or they just wouldn't pay attention, because it's like allegations, like this lady says that she's pregnant, whatever, like they, it's it's not something that would um, get yeah. that much, you know, views to them. So, on October 13th, 2009, Elisa was kidnapped by Bruno and his friends, Husu and Macajon. Husu means Russian. Usually that nickname is given to very, like, pale or, like, very, like, European-looking men or women. He took her to his house, beat her, and forced her to take abortive drugs. She was let go, and she filed a police report against him. She has a testimony recorded on video of this. The famous video where she's standing in front of a police station describing all of the abuse. This is the translation of her words. He took me to his apartment, made me take a ton of sleeping pills, and drink something horrible. I still don't know what that was. I drank it, fell asleep, and woke up today at 2 p.m. He told me that this Friday I would have an abortion, and if I went to the police station or anywhere else, he would kill me, my family, and all my friends because he knew where all of them lived. She got a restraining order against Bruno, and he alleged that it was all lies and that she was making it all up to make him look bad, and that she just wants her five minutes of fame, and that he's not going to give it to her. Yeah, by going to the media and saying all of this, you're not giving her anyway. Um, (laughs) Elisa tried to press charges against him for domestic violence, but she was not able to since the court did not consider their relationship to be serious enough. Oh, thank you, sexist courts of Brazil. They would have had to be married or in a stable relationship for her to be awarded ample protection against him under the domestic Mm. violence laws, which are not that great Mm. in Brazil, the domestic violence laws. Are not, like, not. Anyway. Mm. Are they even great anywhere else? Not really, because people love to fuck women over, so... It's getting better in a lot of places, but Brazil... The, for Brazilians, like, there's a lot of people that think it's absurd to have some kind of domestic law like that because it's, like, you don't have... Yeah, you need to stay out of people's yeah, business. Yeah, no, but they say it's unfair against the men because it's, like, it's for women, but what if the man, blah, 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 and it's, like, sh- shut up, shut up. But the the law literally co- protects both of them. I know, anyway. right? I just can't do okay. it, ignorant people. So the women whose uh, name who like so the major law for uh, domestic violence violence in Brazil is called uh, the Maria da Penha law, and this law was created because of a woman called mm-hmm. Maria da Penha, 
not going to go into detail because maybe we will cover her later. I just maybe. thought about that. That's interesting. So, uh, so her, Maria da Penha, she's still alive. Um, that's how, <laughs> we how old the law yeah. is in Brazil. She's like, she the looks like 60. She's not that old. So, yeah. So, uh, this woman, Maria da Penha, has said, has said herself that the state was negligent on Elisa's case and that they should have done more to protect her. Um, Elisa didn't think that Bruno would do anything bad to her. She said that she didn't think he was that stupid because if anything mm-hmm. happened to her, he would be the number so one that's, suspect. That's what sucks about all that. She she wasn't afraid of it. She came on live, t- live television saying that, like, I just want him to do the right thing. I just want him to pay child support. You know, I'm not afraid. He's not going to do anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she thought that because it was so public mm-hmm. that, like, okay, he's not going to be that. Yeah, yeah we well, know. we don't know people. That That's the moral of the story. So she left Rio and had her child in Sao Paulo mm-hmm. in 2010. Everyone refers to him as Bruninho, which means little Bruno. She was able to get 3,500 reais a month in child support mm-hmm. after the ki- after the kid was born. So remember, he made two hundred fifty thousand reais, and he was giving her three thousand five hundred reais, which is like yeah, it's not like it's not like she's gonna build up a fortune with that. Yeah, maybe if she gets pregnant out of like you know fifteen other soccer pay- players, then if she gets that much a month, then it'll probably be a good amount of money to live off of. But this is not much at all. Like yeah. he, it wouldn't pay for private school in Brazil. So. Um, Elisa yeah. still hoped for a uh, reconciliation. So when Bruno arranged her, arranged for her to come to Rio to stay for a week, all expenses paid, she didn't think twice. The week stay at the Transamerica Hotel turned into a month because Bruno was just, you know, really busy. So um, Elisa was invited after that one month by Macarrão to go to Bruno's country house in Esmeraldas, Minas Gerais, where they would finally get everything sorted out. So, she was picked up by Bruno's associates on June 4th, 2010. On the way there, she got in an argument with one of Bruno's nephews, who we will call Minor because his name was not um, really revealed during the case. He was like 17. So, um, Minor pulled a gun out and hit Elisa on the head with it. She fought back, but she was knocked out of consciousness. During the investigation... It was found that both Elisa's and Minor's blood was on the car. So she really fought back. You know, she wasn't just... And I think this is what sealed the, like, case that it was actually a kidnapping. Like, it wasn't, like, she was there, like, out of her, you know... Because she wanted to be there, and I think she really did. She was taken to the country house, where she was kept in Macahon's room for a day, separate from, from her baby who was only four months old at the time. Bruno had called Fernanda de Castro, his fiancée, to take care of the baby. Now, his love life is really complicated. He has a wife, a fiancée, and I don't know how many lovers uh, all at the same time, you know, with I don't know how many orgies at the same time. Anyways, you know, he doesn't... He doesn't try to hide it. I think it's all, like, public, like, yeah, whatever, you know, seven girlfriends, that's amazing. So... Bruno was in Rio at the time for a game. Remember, the country house was in another state. and But he came over after he was done with that game. 
He didn't stay for long, though. The group left the country house in two cars with Elisa Macarrão Minor and the baby in one and Bruno and Fernanda in the other. On June 6th, they stopped at a motel in the city of Contagem on the way to the country house number two. Macarrão, Minor, Elisa and the baby stayed at the motel while Bruno met a cousin of his, Sergio, and then they went for a stroll around town with Fernanda. The way the investigator puts it, it's like hilarious. He's like, yeah, he, she, he showed her, he be, what's the name, Ribeirão das Neves. He, he like introduced her to the town. And it's like, here is my hut. Yeah, this is my And that is where I shot someone. <laughs> where the sun oh. touches, this is my hood, basically. So, yeah, really romantic. So, um, he then called his wife, Diane, telling her to leave the country house so she could get there with Elisa. The group left the motel around 2 a.m. and they paid their expenses with a credit card. Then they all went to the country house at Ribeirão das Neves. So, Bruno's reason for all this was that he wants to keep Elisa in Minas, Minas with the child close to his family. So, you know, it's a little, I guess, a better narrative now that he's paying child support. He wants to be close to the kid. Anyways, uh, he would even give her an apartment after all this. That's what he said, you know. And what I think he told her. So during the time that she was held captive, um, people noticed that she had um, bruises and cuts on her face and hands. And But there's like no doc real documentation of what kind of abuse that she suffered. Bruno alleges that she was never kidnapped. It was never a kidnapping situation. She was never held against her will. And that she was always treated with the utmost respect on the period that she stayed at his properties. But um, there was one anonymous tip that was given by one of the people that was in contact with Lisa during that time that says that um, she was severely beaten and asked for help many times. This is like just going slowly going downhill, guys. So prepare your hearts, brace mm -hmm. yourselves, okay? Yep. Yeah. So We're on June there. 9th, Bruno hosted a barbecue in the country house and witnesses testified to his abnormal behavior. These are people that have been to similar events many times, and normally the event would happen on the outside areas of the property, but that the house would always be open to guests. Because that's how you have, like, cookouts in Brazil. Like, mm. you have stuff outside, and yeah. then the guest goes inside and do whatever they want and destroy your house mm. and make everything dirty and you have to <laughs> clean up after them. Yeah, but he doesn't have so, to clean it, so it's fine. Yeah. That is in part because there was no hot water available outside of the house, so he liked to be a nice host and allow people to shower inside. Mm. Now, on the 9th, however, the house was completely closed, and the only people that would come in and out were his associates, who were bringing food, uh, who were seen bringing food inside. Uh, when one person asked Bruno to take a shower, Bruno allegedly said, Oh, no one can come in, no one can see that Elisa's inside. And that the mess had already been done, so let me handle it. We want to believe that this is something he actually said, but no one is that fucking dumb. It just doesn't... It, I don't know, it just seems... Who knows? Seems made up to me. I don't know. Like, they, this whole case is so messy mm -hmm. that I wouldn't put it past mm -hmm. him. 
but I, I it does seem like something no one would be stupid yeah. enough to say but <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him to be yeah. that stupid so on June 10th Elisa was led to believe that when they left the country house she was finally going to be taken to her new apartment instead she was taken to Marcos Aparecido Santos' house together with the baby Macajon and Minor in the region of Valadares. What was I saying before? <laughs> this is all my hood, guys. This is my state. This is where the rednecks come from, okay? Anyway. Now, this guy, uh, Marcos Aparecido Santos, he was known as Bala, which literally means ball, because he was fat. Um... <laughs> He had a few nicknames. It was Bola, also Nenen, that's baby. It's Bola, baby, and Paulista. I don't know if he was even from Sao Paulo, so, like, I don't know where Paulista comes from. But yeah. I love, I, I like, can you imagine being, like, a grown person? Hey, baby, come here. And it's, like, his nickname's actually baby. Like. Yeah. That, that's my uh, uncle's nickname, too. One of my uncles. Baby. Baby. Little baby, I had a, actually. Uh, aunt, yeah. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, this guy, Bala, was a person that was an ex police mm. officer. Again, corrupt police officers. Um, he was banned mm. after he was fired from the force, so he started a career as a dog trainer. This will be relevant later. Remember this, guys. But no spoilers. So, when they got there, Bala sort of interrogated her, even sniffed her hands to see if she used any kind of drugs. She mentioned Never heard that, of that she before. couldn't stand... Yeah, I know. Right? Like, gummy smell well, your he's hands. he's a dog trainer. Maybe, maybe he's, like, slowly forming, like, a bond yeah, with he, a dog, he's, no. and he's just morphing into a <laughs> he's dog. Become, he wants to get back in the police force as a canine officer, like, for reals. So... Yeah, so uh, Elisa mentioned that she couldn't stand the physical abuse anymore, and you know what he said to her? All right, we'll just kill you then. Unbelievable. So in front of Macajon, Minor, and the baby, Bala put Elisa on a chokehold and killed her by asphyxiation. He then asked for everyone else to leave the room so he can prepare the body. Now, when they saw Bala again, he was holding a trash bag filled with meat. He walked to his dogs, three Hotweilers. Hotweilers. Is that how you say it? Rottweilers. Rottweilers. Those dogs. And threw pieces of meat at them for them to eat. This is where the biggest misconception about this case comes from. The, the, this account is based on uh, the facts that were given out by Minor. He, he was an eyewitness to the facts, and this did happen. But um, he, he thought that um, it, he was giving Elisa to the dogs. He even thought he saw like a hand being thrown out at the kennel. Mm-hmm. But... Um, there was a very, very, very extensive investigation done on his house, and it was really proven with luminal and everything. There was not an ounce of blood, not a drop, drop of blood on the house. So she was not fit to the dogs, you guys. I'm going to say that again for 
the people in the back. She was not fair to the dogs. It's a, uh, it was debunked. He was, it was not. It was just theater, basically. She was not fair to the dogs. So, yeah. Although this case is known as the girl who was fed to the dogs. <laughs> yeah, people, people, they say that all the time, and I don't know if other podcasts have made that mistake. But I mean, the narrative that was put forward first. So I get it, like that she was fed to the dogs and then cemented. But um, huh? they have actually. They, well, they. they no. I'm saying they as if I've listened to every single podcast I talk. There's a really big podcast that talked about this, and they did say that she was fed to the dogs. Eh, wrong. Okay. So and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm I'm saying it because I heard from the police themselves, the investigators, saying. She was not fucking fed to the dogs, so let's let's stop the misconceptions and the misinformation right here. She was not fed to the dogs. I'll say that one more time, just so we're all clear. She was not fed to the fucking dogs. Okay, so um, after all that, they were they all the group went back to the country house where they burned Elise's suitcase on a bonfire. No one really knows what happened to Elisa's body, and he, it has not been found to this day. But there is a strong theory that Bala was the one that disposed of the remains. On the 24th, the police got a tip that Elisa had been killed. They then contacted her fa- friends and family, who had not been in contact with her since the 4th. She was initially investigated as a missing person, but the detailed testimony of Minor and other accomplices is what made it possible for that case to come together and um, bring forth a murder charge. Until the police narrowed in the suspects, they had been with the baby, but then like when they kind of showed up to the country house and whatnot, the baby just disappeared. Like, the police showed up when they saw a baby, and then when they went back, they were like, there's no babies here? I don't know what you're talking about. So, um, he was missing, but he was found on the 26th in a favela, where it was. it is still suspected that he would have eventually been killed, the baby. So, at that point, Bruno is the captain of the biggest soccer team that Brazil has, and Elisa is a person that has been in the news for quite a bit. So the media goes absolutely bananas. Guys, I cannot I cannot measure the size of the media circus this was. It's like it's it's it was like on twenty four seven because I remember at the time it was like all everyone talked about. It was it was really, really big. So Yeah, and like unlike uh Isabella Nardoni and unlike some of the other cases that we've covered, I actually wasn't in Brazil hmm. when this happened. But, um, however, I did. Uh, it was back when we still had Brazilian cable mm-hmm. at home here. So we were following this. And it was, like, crazy. Like, yeah. the repercussions that it had here were absolutely crazy. So I can only imagine how Datena was flipping out about this. 24-7. Oh, my God. Dude, that Tena... I, I almost want to, like, translate some videos that Tena has, because it's just so funny. Yes. He did one, like, last year, that he was, he would, like, was, like, talking to the camera, pointing his finger, and he was, like, zooming in his face, and he was like, you potheads, 
hear what I'm going to say. There's not going to be a Christmas for you guys. You guys are all going to be dead until the end of the year. There's not going to be Santa Claus. There's not going to be any Jesus. You guys are all going to be dead. No, no potheads actually died after this. But it's still, this, television is just amazing, I think. So, it's really funny. So, um, when he was interviewed about the disappearance, Bruno actually says that, yeah, I saw her about, I don't know when exactly, but two or three months ago when I went to meet the child. I don't know when I saw her, but here's when I saw her exactly. Amazing. Yeah, I don't know when I saw her, but I can tell you that it was on a Friday and it was raining. Mm -hmm. So on um, July 9th, 2010, Bruno was arrested for the, mur for the murder together with his wife, Dayani, and seven other accomplices, including Sergio Macarrão, Bola, Dayani, Fernanda, his now fiancé, Elenilson, Vitor da Silva, and Wemerson, Marques de Souza to other people that we haven't mentioned yet, but anyways. Um, the trial was initially set for 2012, but it was postponed for 2013. Bruno was convicted to 22 years and 6 months in jail. Bala was convicted to 22 years, too. He maintains that he has never seen Elisa. He doesn't know who they are. Like, it's basically just a conspiracy against him. He's like, I don't know who any of those people are. Why, why am I being dragged into this? So... Macajon was convicted to 15 years, Fernanda got five, and the other accomplices, which one of their nicknames is, by the way, Coxinha. As I say, we have Coxinhas on every single episode, right? What, <laughs> it's impossible to... <laughs> so, Coxinha. <laughs> But it's, it's really tough to find information about them because the other people had bigger roles in the media, But um, they were indicted yeah. for the same charges that Dayani was, uh, kidnapping the baby. So we always try to be really impartial here and present. Um, so we're going to present what was actually said by the defense, which I'm going to have to um, put myself out there here. I think it's a plausible theory. Not necessarily there is right, but there's a strong possibility that that's the case. So, uh, the child focused a lot on slut-shaming Elisa, how she was a sex worker and that she was participating in orgies with I don't know how many players, so the baby could be anyone's. But, yeah, they did the best to assassinate her character. But, when it comes to events that are actually pertinent to the case, it was said that she just up and left. So, um, she left the baby with Bruno and ran away, basically. But that's for all the accomplices, Bruno's defense team alleged that Bruno never ordered the death of Elisa and that she was, um, he was the last person to know about what's going on. He, ne he never even knew that she went missing before the investigation started. Before the investigation started. The, on, the one thing, no, the one that ordered the whole thing was Macajon, according to those theories, as an effort to eliminate the problems that Elisa posed. Let's remember that he was very, very, very loyal to Bruno, and he had sort of an administrative role in his life. He was the one that would, like, pay his bills and deal with the women and, like, send money, like, wire money to different people. So, Macajal was the <laughs> Yolanda of this thing. He adored. Yeah. So, Bruno is Selena, and exactly. Macajal is Yolanda. Dude, I never saw it like that. But If yeah. Selena was a murderer. Yeah. 
<laughs> so um he had this kind of role that he just took care of Balloons' like business because he was really busy. So um he's the one that dealt with Elisa. You know? It's possible that Macaho had more involvement in th- that kind of fight than Bruno has. So um there's a possibility that this is all true, that it was Macajon that ordered the whole thing. But he denies it, of course. Macajon says that the whole ins and outs of the country houses, that so he could give money to Elisa, and that um, when he was done, he gave her like $30,000 or whatever, he um, dropped her off to get in a cab and go out of nowhere. So, yeah. yeah. So, there was sort of a custody battle for Bruninho, between Elisa's mother, Sonia, and her father. <laughs> the father who pimped her out wanted mm-hmm. custody of the baby. Of course yeah. he did. Didn't it gets he? worse. It gets worse. Okay. Her mom won because of the dad's recent conviction for the rape of a 17-year-old girl. The- who was his stepdaughter, by the way. Yeah. So there's a lot of controversy surrounding Elisa's mom. She's also accused of trying to take advantage of Bruno via uh, child support. Sonia hadn't seen Elisa in six years, and they only spoke over the phone. She had another family, lived far away, and Elisa was pretty independent. Notoriously, when she found out that her daughter had died, she said that she didn't even know that she was alive in the first place. So they're like, yeah, you're just showing up. Well... Yeah, you're just showing up to save the day. Like, this is really convenient. But, I mean. Yeah. So it isn't really clear whether she got any child support from Bruno or not. Mm. Because this whole case could be a telenovela. During the investigation, when they were analyzing the blood on the car to see if it was Elisa's, they took DNA samples from Sonia, Luis Carlos, and Bruninho found out that Elisa wasn't his biological daughter, and that developed into another crazy media circus. So she got pimped out by this guy who she grew up thinking was her dad, and he wasn't even her dad. Yeah. Yes. She died without knowing. And you know what's, what sucks? He knew that she wasn't the, his daughter. So maybe that's yeah, why. maybe that's why he was so evil to her. But still. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Diane got out of jail December 2010 to wait for her trial in Liberty. When she was asked if she thought that Bruno was innocent, she said that the only innocent man that has set foot on earth was Jesus Christ. And he died on a cross. She was eventually acquitted of all charges. By the way... I think that this statement speaks for itself. Like, he's not. Like, she knows. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, less than a year after he was arrested, Bruno already had a new fiance, who we think no, he is actually he's still, still with. with. Her name is Ingrid. Yeah, he is. Sorry. Oh, okay. Her name is Ingrid de Oliveira. She's a dentist, and she actually came out saying that his own lawyer had given him a death, had given him death threats because he wanted to get a new lawyer. So this one. Had stolen his nice. money and even advised him to kill himself, the lawyer. Ingrid has been, um, had been orchestrating an interview with Fantastico, 
with Bruno, but <laughs> it didn't really work out, so she did one herself. Uh, she did one mm-hmm. herself. Another station, like, TV channel, had televised a conversation between the two of them when Bruno said that the media, the media had put him in jail and the media would get him out. Bruno. So that's why she went on TV and, like, said, like, a bunch of, like, crazy things. Because what kind of... doesn't make, like, doesn't make a lot of any sense. You know, the lawyer would just advise a client to kill, kill yourself. It's going to be better for all of us. It was like yeah. That. Kill yourself instead of paying my my mm-hmm. hard work hours. Because, you yeah. know, lawyers make by the hours, so... Uh, Bruno and Ingrid got married on June 17, 2016. They had 90 people present on the jailhouse ceremony. So, 90 crazy cycles. That's it, I'm wedding shaming. Just yes. In 2014, Sergio, the cousin, gave a tip as to where Elisa was buried. But that didn't really amount to anything. Mm-hmm. Bruno asked for a habeas corpus and was denied twice. But the third time is a charm, as they say. Mm. On March 10th, 2017, he was let out of jail. So, he was hired by Boa Esporte, which is a soccer club in Varginha, in Minas Gerais. Varginha. Varginha is where... No, you say it. (laughs) Where there's UFO sightings. (laughs) We need to do like a whole UFO episode about Virginia because it's just comical. It, it's like a Listen, like a discount. Don't make fun Roswell. of my people. <laughs> there's literally. <laughs> I just think it's. Have you seen? Huh? There's literally a huge statue, and it's a uh, yeah. It's an alien, an alien statue <laughs> of Virginia. <laughs> so, dude, have you seen the memes of, like, the kids that um, have the stories about the UFOs or whatever, and they look like an indie band? They, like, make, like, funny... No. Hilarious. So, See, he I was think... hired by that... Huh? No, I was just gonna say, I think a UFO episode wouldn't be very successful, because I don't really believe Me neither. UFOs. But there's... And I always... Yeah. I always skip the UFO episodes in podcasts. <laughs> Me too. But just, I don't know, just because it's so funny. I don't know. And there's one UFO incident that's maybe a murder incident that people have, a lot of people have actually reached out saying like, hey, what about this? Hey, what about this? When are you guys going to do this? And I'm like, chill, chill, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. So we've been saying we're going to get to this one, like, since the, I think, third episode, like, by the way, I don't think we mentioned that, but this is the episode we've been hinting at, yeah. like, ever since this whole thing started. So, you guys are very welcome. You've... Now we get to move to the next tease. So, he was um, <laughs> hired by Boas Porsche, actually, in 2014. He had been in a contract with them, which he was being paid for. If you guys don't know how soccer works, he's in a contract, he's being paid for, even though he's in jail. So, as soon as, he's, as he got out, he started playing for Boas Porsche. They have an average of, like, 800 fans per match. But on Bruno's first game, they only had about, like, 300 people show up. Which is already a small team. So, uh, the coach says that he doesn't... Get ready for this. He doesn't discriminate. That he doesn't see color, faith, social status. So, Bruno's okay. 
Even though he murdered a woman Guys, in front of her baby. Guys, this is not about racism. I don't see color. I don't see murder. I don't see nothing. This guy's okay. Like, what? Uh, I, I try not to get mad at that kind of stuff. I don't see color. Fucking bullshit. Anyways, um, the team director says that he hired him so Bruno would have a way to be reintegrated into society. And the team's website was briefly hacked when it, um, so it showed, uh, a picture of Elisa and stats data about feminicide. And it was a ton of protests, um, like, outside of the games and everything when he played. And this is, like, it was a media outcry when he was released because he had been in jail for, like, seven years and... It was like they didn't, they didn't really explain the situation and why he was out and how he was able to be out, but it was like, yeah, he's out of jail now, <laughs> out. You know, he's gonna kill. I don't know how many more people. You know, like they didn't really explore. You know the complexity of this whole thing. And this just goes to show how fucked up the justice system is. Like, it's completely fucked up. But it kind of works on this case. No spoilers. Mm-hmm. On the next line we have to read right now. So why was he let out, mm-hmm. you may ask? Well, the Supreme Court ruled that he had been in jail for an excessive amount of time without retrying his mm-hmm. case. And that the fact that the crime was horrible in itself was not enough reason for him to be in jail as a preventative measure. As a reminder, Bruno wasn't in jail serving time for murder. He was there just to prevent Mm -hmm. other crimes. However, his freedom didn't really last long. He was put back in jail on April 25th, 2017 (laughs) in a 3-to-1 Supreme Court decision. On August 3rd, though, he was authorized to give soccer classes for needy kids as a way to reduce his sentence now 20 years and 9 months. Yeah, because I definitely want the murder around my kids. Unbelievable. I definitely. Uh, Sonia says that she feels like Bruno has no remorse, that he's as sarcastic as ever, which he is. He is super cocky. Oh my god, he's the cockiest He's person. like so yeah. cocky. Yeah. Uh, he's cocky and he's scary too. Like I never, even before this, I never thought he was an attractive man. He's the type of guy that, like, you look at and you're like, ooh, you would be cute if you didn't look like a psychopath. Mm. That's him. Um, She put it brilliantly. He's a free man. He's allowed to do whatever he wants, to play for whatever team hires him. While Bruninho and I are the prisoners, being held captive by fear that someday Bruno will order our deaths. That was when... um... He was let out. She gave, like, the Aster opinion about, you know, him being out. And she was like, my fucking... You want my opinion about this? Like, she's pissed. She's been, like, a perpetually mad person. Yeah. And I feel like she feels, like, a lot of guilt because she didn't really get to spend that much time with her daughter, you know? Yeah. But she did love her. And she she's guilty because, like, I saw her saying that because she had problems with domestic violence herself. So she was like, mm-hmm. Elisa didn't get away, didn't, like, try to run away from domestic violence. She tried to, like, stay. I don't know for what reason. We know mm-hmm. what reason she was trying to stay. But, like, if she had just kind of, like, let go, 
and you know um not being so insistent about the child support she would have been alive and it's not her fault that she was murdered but yeah yeah she was just trying to get her son to have his like it's his birthright yeah she was trying to do her best for her son yeah. And you know what's fucked up about all this? Mm. Not fucked up, but interesting. Is that it was proved that um, her, like, they don't know who her biological dad is, right? But Elisa's mm-hmm. mom said that he is a very, uh, like a businessman from Foz de Iguazu. So, mm-hmm. like, if she, um, if it gets proven somehow who that guy is in the future, he hasn't, but if that ever comes... Uh, Bruninho's gonna, like, inherit a shit ton of money. So, Bruninho's fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, financially speaking. Yeah. He's fine. I'm I'm okay. Yeah, I think he's, like, must be, like, eight years old now. Bruno says that he wants to eventually be closer to his son, but Elisa's mom said that as long as she lives, she's going to do everything possible so Bruno is not on the kid's life. Macahon is out. He has since compared the crime to pizza. There are many, many pieces and you can't eat it all by yourself. Every person is responsible. Some only ate the crust, some ate big slices, but we're all responsible. Can I just say that the guy whose nickname is (laughs) Pasta is making a freaking Food <laughs> reference as this. This is all about food. At the end of the day, my fat ass food. only thinks about food. No, it's hilarious. And it was like, he was actually kind of mad while he was saying all this. This is all like a pizza. It's, um, it's hilarious. He's like washing a car, like like rubbing it. It's pizza. Everybody eats big crust, big slices. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, it's a cool analogy, but, like, it's it's not pizza, it's murder. Anyways. It's all about pizza. I should make a shirt out of that. It's not pizza, it's murder. So that was it. Elisa Samuju. No, that that wasn't it. Shut up. It no, wasn't it. No, wasn't it? I thought you were done. Nope. Um, he is serving the rest of his sentence in house arrest, working for a church as a janitor. Janitor. A janitor, and he's selling, sh- while well, he sells shoes also and washes cars for that church. Bruno is also a janitor in jail, by the way. So, hmm. amazing. That's still too good yeah. for him. So, now that was it. That was it. That was Elisa mm-hmm. Samuju. No, I had something to say. See, here's the thing. I will be driving home and think of stuff that I want to say <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> now I don't write it down. <laughs> and then I don't remember it. Then I like act like a fool while I'm doing a podcast because I'm like I don't remember what I wanted to say so I'm just gonna say mm-hmm. random shit as it comes so that's me <sighs> you guys mm. let me tell you one thing I found these crackers <laughs> again with the crackers <laughs> I can't stop talking about these crackers are so good <laughs> These stupid Trader Joe's crackers. They're so good. They're only $3. You guys. Have you seen the new Chris Hemsworth movie? No. Bad Times at El Royale. Dude. 
daddy. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Daddy. Come at me, daddy. Steph has been single for way yeah, too long. You know, boyfriend submissions. If you look anything like Kristen. Um, excuse me. I'll have you know I wrote three fan fictions about Chris Hemsworth way before any of this. Okay. So you liked him before it was cool, basically. Uh, no, I liked him uh, after Thor, the first mm. Thor. But then I saw Tom Hiddleston. I was like, excuse me, who's this blonde guy? It's like, why are you here? <laughs> I think my first celebrity crush was actually like Chris Evans when he was the the Fantastic Four. What's, what's the name of Torch? The, yeah, Torchman, right? Is that how you yeah. said it in English? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, the the fire, fire person. Yeah. Whatever. I think it's Torchman. Let me see. Torchman. No, it's the not Torchman. The big old ball of fire. No, it is Torchman. No, it's not Torchman. I know because you're translated in Portuguese, from Portuguese. Yeah, it's, it's so annoying every time. I never liked Fantastic Four, so I'm like, what are they in English? I never really liked it, but it's, uh, you know, it's, you can't control that kind of thing, you know? But it's just so annoying when I have to talk to Matt about anything like Spongebob. You think I know the Spongebob catchphrases in English? Like, I watched every single episode in fucking Portuguese. I have no idea. The Human Torch. Johnny Storm. The Human Torch. Yeah. No. um, My first celebrity crush ever. Like, ever, ever. uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic. I was obsessed with Leonardo DiCaprio. I was literally obsessed with him. From when I was three or four until I was 12. All I talked about was Leonardo DiCaprio. I had other crushes, but he was my main crush. I had, like, Leonardo DiCaprio posters. I would tell people I hated Giselle Bündchen because she dated Leonardo DiCaprio. She did? I didn't know that. Yeah, they dated for, like, forever. <gasps> um... Wow. Yeah. Fuck, I didn't know. Really? They dated for a real long time. I I swear I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, so he was my first ever, like, celebrity crush. But then, like, I've had so many, like, I'm so obsessed with celebrities. It's so pathetic. (laughs) I've had a lot. Uh, My current celebrity crush, Tom Hiddleston, Killian Murphy, but they've been celebrity crushes Mm. for a while. Ooh, Alex Vlahos, oh, yas, yas, zaddy, yas. Wait, what did you okay. say? Alex? Alex Vlahos. Vla, Vlahos, I, I don't speak flat Greek. Hose? Is it Not Vlahos. Vlahos, Vlahos. Oh, George Blagden, yas. He looks Versailles. He looks like yes. what's his name? Russell. The 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 crazy Shut guy. The fuck up. What's his name? Shut up! I'm literally gonna stop. Shut. Don't even finish sorry. your sentence. I, I don't okay, want to talk sorry. to you. He does not. He is the most beautiful little thing. You guys need to watch Versailles so you can be in love with him like I am. Yeah, Tom Hiddleston. Hmm. I have a lot of Matt Bomer, Killy Murphy, Killy Murphy. I just keep thinking about Killy Murphy. But um, who are your celebrity crushes, Carol? Well, 
my celebrity crushes at the moment. Like I never, I never come up with a list like that on the spot. But if you could think of one celebrity crush, who are you thinking of? Ah, one celebrity crush. Crush. His name's Matthew. He has a, like a IMDb page and everything. That's my husband. That's so pathetic. That he doesn't really listen to the podcast. That is so lame. I'm sorry. Oh, let me try to think of someone else. Mm. I keep... No. No, actually, no. Dude, I have no idea. Oh, my all-time celebrity crush. You guys are going to judge me so much on this. But it's been years, okay? And it's been brewing for years. Even Peter's just like... I'm sorry. Ever since 2011, American Horror Story. I was like 14... I was like, oh my god. I like him on uh, Asylum. Oh my god. Oh my god. On oh a- Asylum. They could, yeah. they could, dude, they could fucking implant a second nose in his forehead so and I would still like, be like, oh my so god. Sad. I swear. No, oh my god. He's- yeah, he's super cute. Yeah, he's cute, but he's not like zaddy, you know. He's cute, like yeah, but not like zaddy, you know. No, but you know I, mean? I, I, yeah, but I like a more attainable kind of crush, you know. A more like, not like you know, holy shit, but like a holy shit, you know, like yeah, this is good, this is nice, but not like you know, out of this world, you know. You're missing out. You're missing out on all yeah, this okay. Guys, uh, if you're here from my Tumblr, because I did <laughs> advertise, <laughs> I did advertise the podcast on my Tumblr. If you're here from my Tumblr, you know what I think about all these men and many more. Dude, so we my don't need Tumblr to go is the saddest, okay? like, piece of internet available on this earth. First of all, I haven't posted that, like... I haven't posted on my Tumblr since, like, 2015. And second of all, I have made so many original posts that never got one note. Not one like, not one like. <laughs> so many. You guys have no idea how many posts. And I, it's, I, I looked at all my posts, like, recently, and I would, like, pick up a piece of paper, like, write something on it, take a picture, and, like, expect the thing to go viral. And, like, some lame-ass quotes. And it's like, what are you doing? So, I am actually on my Tumblr right now. I have had my Tumblr since I was 16. What year is that? So, I'm not even going to tell you how many years it's been, too, because I'm only 18, okay? Shut up. Oh, okay. Okay. So, I've had my Tumblr for a long time, and... um, yeah, it's like it's been like different phases of me and Tumblr and right now I do this thing where I will show up on my Tumblr and then I won't show up for two weeks and yeah. then I just show up again and act like nothing happened, you know? Mm-hmm. But I had a lot of side blogs. I had like a Def Leppard blog, I had a Backstreet Boys blog, I had a Tom Hiddleston blog and I used to make a lot of GIFs. GIFs, not GIFs, okay? Because mm. the creator says GIFs, but that's just stupid. Um, made a lot of GIFs that um, got a lot of reblogs. 
pretty proud of myself. If you look for Def Leppard gifts on Facebook, most of those were made by yours truly. You are welcome, world. You're I'm looking welcome. at the last things I have reblogged. And this is the app, the last thing yeah, I have on my Tumblr. So if you open the Tumblr, you're gonna see this, the creepy picture. Yeah, with it's like a, a little kid sitting in the bed with like teletubbies oh, yeah. around him. It's creepy. I'm reblogging things now, so but I'll send you my you Tumblr later. Because here's the thing, I am not a nice person and it comes out on my Tumblr so no, I, I don't want people to know it okay so I'll reblog I... something so I'd have something else and people are like oh my god was grape soda doesn't even taste like grapes but also as hell but it sure as hell tastes like purple reblog okay that doesn't even make sense cause grape oh. soda it makes it tastes like purple. Grape soda. Let me tell you about me when I was little. Me and my sister. <laughs> we would drink grape soda on wine glasses and pretend we were drinking wine. <laughs> <laughs> and then you put guaraná on like a cup and pretend you're drinking beer. I know. You know, no, I put guaraná in champagne glasses. So that was champagne. <laughs> oh. Champagne? Oh, you're classier than I am. I'm sorry. Oh, God. On a scale of Luke Skywalker to Jamie Lannister, how well do you deal with losing your right hand? Or, on a scale of Luke Skywalker to Jamie Lannister, how well do you deal with your latent sexual feelings for your sister? Or, on a scale of Luke Skywalker to Jamie Lannister, how well do you deal... With your dad being an utter bastard with unresolved issues about the death of his wife. It's just oh the my same god. That keeps repeating. Beats by Dr. Phil. <laughs> Beats by Dr. Phil. <laughs> oh, I need to stop. <laughs> oh my god. My sister saw, um,. Infinity War for the first time on Saturday and she was so mad. She's no, like, really? This is fucking stupid. <laughs> it was like, so what stupid. The heck? She's I like, think, what I the think heck? like the only way to save that movie, hear me out, okay, this is my pitch for Marvel, is to have um a second version comes out and it's the Rapture and Jesus is like one of the Avengers now. I feel like this is the only way they could possibly save the franchise. Because I would watch that movie. I would totally watch it. I love every single Marvel movie, no exception. But I flipped my shit with Infinity War because they killed Loki. And (laughs) I have an unhealthy obsession Mm -hmm. with Tom Hiddleston. So I literally screamed in the movie theater. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And everybody looked at me. I was like... Um, uh, okay. Yeah, so that's... <laughs> they opened a movie theater close to my house now, and I'm happy. But it's like a luxury movie theater. Oh. Yeah. So Go it's there expensive. and find me a sugar daddy. Huh? Fi- Go find there me a and sugar- find yeah. me a sugar... Find me a... You don't need it. You have your daddy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Like, the problem with them opening a good movie theater because it's amazing i've been there once on you know the cheap wednesday tickets anyways um 
it's great. But what happened is they um, also upgraded all the other movie theaters that we had around. So now they're all expensive. And, like, I'm going to the movies even less now. See, and- this is why Movie Pass fucked things up for us. Because I had a Movie Pass. Yeah. And they fucked everything. I know, so- right? Yeah. Things have been chaos since Movie Pass came along. Think about it. Before Movie Pass, everything was great. I loved Movie Pass. Hmm? I had a Movie Pass and I used it once before it all came down. I would get a Movie Pass, but none of my bougie ass movie theaters I have near my house. And I don't even I don't even live like in the best area ever. I don't. It's it's just you know, all of a sudden, there's this necessity for luxury around here. And I'm like, what, what are you guys doing? You know? So, it sucks. There's this small that is in the middle of the hood, basically. Then now they have a luxury cinema. And nobody goes there anymore. This is, guys, this is a movie theater that had called the police when The Incredibles premiered. Because there was too many people in there. Oh, my God. Yeah. it's it's, And now it's a luxury cinema. So, like... Are things getting any better? No. You know, the the mall literally has nothing but, like, three stores in that um, movie theater because it's actually going bankrupt, the mall. But now we have a luxury cinema there, so it's great. I love going to the movies. Um, However, I don't like going on dates to the movies because I'm actually just trying to watch the movie <laughs> and the guy's, like, trying to fucking kiss me. I'm like, can you just Cannot. let me watch my movie? Yeah. So I don't have a lot of chances to go because I also, I'm a very judgmental person. So I don't want to be the loser going to the movie theater by itself. So you judge yourself. So I just don't better. go. I judge myself because if I saw some girl in the movie theater, I'd be like, by herself, I'd be like, yeah. the fuck, go get some friends, loser. Like, yeah. what's wrong with you? Yeah, guys, I'm looking for movie theater buddies. Preferably someone will, who will pay my, for my tickets because I don't. I'm broke. Yeah. I need to venture into my mini fridge mm-hmm. and figure out if the milk that I have is bad or not. And if it's good, I will have to drink half a gallon of milk in one minute before I it wouldn't recommend you to do so, but you do you, I guess. This is it, guys. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We. Did you a huge favor and saved all of our rambling to the end? To the end, mm-hmm. like for real this time, because we usually say, "Oh, we saved the rambling," yeah, we and we're do. like <laughs> rambling about dicks yeah. in the first ten minutes. But this time, so oh, are you guys excited for a Halloween episode with Sam? Oh my god, I am so excited. I'm so excited because, like, we're going to talk about so many spooky yet interesting things. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. So, okay, guys. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another episode of Suspiria, a true crime podcast. If you are a creep and enjoy listening to all this horrible information, please write us a five-star review on iTunes. And also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram as Suspiria Podcast. Facebook is also Suspiria Podcast. If you want to follow Carol, you can follow her at Suspiria Carol. And you can follow me at eu.steph. Note.
none of us post anything interesting. We do, actually. Also, if you want to support the podcast, please consider answering our listener survey. It will help us out immensely, and we will be eternally grateful. If you have any case suggestions, feel free to drop them over at suspiriapodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to be part of this podcast, you can also email us. We promise we won't bite. Ciao! Ciao.